Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Tonight, good to see you. I can tell you're excited. Are you excited about this? It's going to be all summer. Listen, all summer, we're going to tear this book apart. I told Missy during worship, my wife Missy, I said, man, I'm about ready to come out of my skin. I'm so excited about this study. Um, I love the book of Ephesians. You know, I tell believers, especially for you new believers, listen, you know, there's 66 books in the Bible. New Testament has 27. I tell new believers, when you first come to Jesus, you need to know the first four of the New Testament, which is the Gospels. Everybody say Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the Gospels. Those first four are actual journal writings of people who witnessed Jesus. So they're called Gospels, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called Gospels because they are witnesses of Jesus's ministry in life and actual quotations of Jesus. So if you're a new believer and you want to know what to study and read, can I encourage you, don't go to Leviticus or Lamentations. Learn the four Gospels because it depicts who Jesus is and who Jesus was in his ministry days. Then I encourage new believers from the four Gospels, go to the book of Ephesians. See, the other books of the Bible in the New Testament, the four Gospels, then you have what they call, listen, now remember, let me share this real quick. This study time throughout the summer is going to be like classroom. We're not preaching at you, we're going to be teaching you. Now, I know for some, your style, your preference of style, and I get this, and it's cool, and that's why God has different styles, you rather be preached at than taught. But let me encourage you, I've learned a, a secret over the years, and it's been quite a few years of walking with the Lord, learn to welcome all. There's times I need preached at. Just preach at me, spit on me, whatever you got to do, build me up, exhort me, let me feel like I'm going to fly out of here and conquer the world. But you and I have to be taught how to go about conquering. How many of you could be encouraged to go conquer and never be taught how to do it? So we have to have the diversity. So, you know, the pastors and I got together and I said, listen, we're going to do the book of Ephesians, but we're going to do this in a teaching style. This is a classroom setting. And there are going to be notes, not just when I teach, because you know I'm the note pusher. Every pastor is required to have notes to hand out to you. So for those of you who've yet to get notes, grab your notes. Anybody need notes? The ushers are right there. Come on, ushers. Here we go. Quickly, 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 quickly. Hands are up. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. We, we're out of notes or do we have enough? How many we got? Who got $100 right now for that note right there? $100. I see that hand. This guy said 200 right here. Gary, hurry up. $200 goes in the offering. You do have one more? Oh, Gary's going to submit his. Look at him. Look at him. What lady up here that we have notes to give to that Gary wants to submit his? Yeah, some of you are like, I'll give up mine because I don't want to fill in the blanks. No, no, no. Uh, you keep your notes. We're good. We're good. We're good. So we're going to study. We're going to learn as we go. We're going to fill in blanks. And I really believe that this particular epistle, because the other books of the New Testament are called epistles, and all the uh, epistles simply means, we don't go around saying, hey, epistle, right? Literally what epistle means, it's a letter. 
It's a letter that was written by one of the, the apostles or disciples. In this case, we're going to study of Ephesians and we're going to learn who wrote this particular letter, which is entitled an epistle. So you ready to pray over this? You excited tonight? Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We love you. Lord, we love the Bible. We love your word. We cherish your word. Father, the Bible to us, as we stated a moment ago, is like fellowship with other believers, but it's fellowship with you. And it is, it literally is a cold drink of water in a moment of stress, in a moment when life is pressing on us, when we drink, when we partake, when we read, when we study, when we glean from your word, the Bible, it literally is like a cold drink of water on a very hot day. It's refreshing to us and it's designed that way because it's not a book with some paper and some ink. It's the living word of God. It's the voice of God captured on paper. It's alive. So Father, tonight our hearts are open. Man, we are ready. We're ready to receive your engrafted word, which is like a seed that's gonna become implanted into our hearts and in our minds. And that seed, that living word seed is gonna grow inside us and it's gonna mature and it's gonna cause great things to happen in our lives, great fruit to, to be, uh, come to fruition in our lives. So Lord, this is not in vain. We're at the right place at the right time with the right heart in Jesus' name. And all that the Greek said? Amen. Let's go to our study. Here we go. Mystery is revealed. Picked that title because we're going to see that mentioned literally in chapter one. By the way, just to let you know, each pastor will have two weeks to break apart a chapter. I think there's one or two pastors that only get one week because of other things going on. We have water baptism coming up in August, etc. But most pastors have two weeks, two Wednesdays to break apart one chapter. So tonight's part one of chapter one for me, next week we will finish up chapter one. But if you look right here in Ephesians chapter one, verse one through two, we're gonna study as we go through this, oh, I forgot what I was saying, and <laughs> I just remembered. Mysteries Revealed, the title, because we're gonna see in chapter one, Paul talks about mysteries. How many know that, how many like, like a good mystery movie? Anybody like a good mystery movie, right? You, you can raise your hand, it's okay to watch movies, it's all right, just, you know, what you watch, it's important, but to be careful. But anyway, some folks, are, movies are of the devil, but um, we all have our different philosophies, right? But we all typically like a good mystery. But how many know you want the mystery revealed? And the idea of a good mystery movie is to keep you on the edge of your seat wanting to know the mystery. Well, the gospel, Jesus coming on the earth in flesh with skin and bone like you and I, God the Father uh, uh, becoming a man, if you will, that's called the incarnation of Christ, and then him going to this thing called the cross, which was the mass execution, the ultimate execution of that day, and then him rising from the dead. That was a great mystery to the Jews. It was a great mystery to the world. But Paul says in chapter one that we're going to study starting tonight, he says, this mystery is about to be revealed. How many of that's pretty cool? So that tells me there's young believers here tonight. You recently accepted Jesus, but let's be honest, you still don't have quite a clue what that is. 
You know you did it, and you know it was real, you know you needed to do it, you know you needed to call on Jesus. I mean, just a simple term, Jesus, come into my heart. What in the world does that mean? We're in church, are we honest tonight? See, there's some things that we say or call on Jesus and you'll get saved. I've had people that I've talked to that don't know Jesus yet, they're like, what in the world does it mean to be saved? So Christianity, in essence, the gospel is a mystery. But Paul says, and that's why I tell young believers, read the four gospels, then quickly go to the book of Ephesians so that the mystery of your salvation no longer is a mystery. That you understand truly what this is. How many are excited about this? So let's look at the top here of our notes. An in-depth study of the book of Ephesians, Mysteries Revealed. Ephesians 1, 1 through 2, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How many know a great way to open up a letter in his writings when he wrote that letter? Amen. He was encouraging this particular church. Now let's look at right here the background. Now what I'm going to do before I get into chapter one, my responsibility is to give an introduction to this book to this epistle, Ephesians. What in the world is Ephesians? I remember when I first came to the Lord, I brutalized the names of these books. I didn't know Ephesians. I'm not gonna tell you how I pronounced it. How many remember Job? I called it Job for the longest time. Don't laugh at me. Some of you did too. I remember telling my sister who led me to the Lord, I'm a young man and I'm reading the Bible. I said, man, I love the book of Job. She starts laughing, what do you mean Job? I said, Job, it's an awesome book. She said, Ken, it's Job. I said, Job, where's the E? Come on, back me up. Some of, yeah, man, some of them Old Testament names, come on now, you all still brutalizing them. You know you are, amen? But right here it says, the city of Ephesus was a major shipping port for trade goods from all over the world. Back then, this particular city, Ephesus, was a major portal for shipping and, and, and goods from all over the world would come to the city of Ephesus and from there it would be distributed throughout the world. So it was a very large city. It was a very busy city. You can look at some of the portal cities that we have on the East Coast. You got Newport, uh, you got uh, New York, of course. You got Boston, uh, Charleston. I mean, they're, they're, they're that t- that Ephesus was that type of city where goods shipped from all over the world came to those port, to that port, and distribute it. So very large city, very busy city, blue collar in a lot of ways, amen? But also there was some very, very wealthy businessmen who capitalized on this type of shipping. So it was basically a city of like today. And, 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 and though culture and traditions were different back then, people back then or people today, people today were people like back then. Everybody say people are people. Everybody say God's grace is God's grace. Say sin is sin. They sinned just as hard as we do today and they needed God's grace just as much as we do today. Amen? People are people, humanity is humanity. 
It was situated near a present-day Izmar. If you look at present-day city of Izmar, it, it, still today, it's a portal city. It's a city that's a great port. It's in Turkey, so forth and so on. So to a degree, it exists today. Ephesus, the actual location of Ephesus, is just a little bit northeast of Izmar. There are ruins. I'd like to go there someday. Wouldn't it be cool to check out some of the Bible cities and so forth and so forth? Look at here, it says, Ephesus was one of the seven churches to whom Jesus addressed in Revelations chapter two and three. If you look, the very first church in chapter two, because chapter two and three is writings that Jesus began to rebuke some particular churches to get them back on course. The very first uh, church mentioned was Ephesus. And if you read in chapter two, at the beginning of, of Revelations chapter two, Jesus says to Ephesus, I love your labor, y'all. Is that Texas, did I do that right? Y'all, is it y'all or y'all? Whatever, y'all, y'all like just shut up and be Northeast. Now if we're in Pittsburgh, it would be yins, by the way. I know that's terrible, but I forgot what I was saying. It was really good, I know it was. What was I saying? I literally forgot what I was saying. Yes, Revelations chapter two. Thank you very much. Um, in those writings, he says, I love your labor of love. You're, you're sweating for the work of the gospel, but there's a problem. You left your first love. Interesting, right? Because you gotta remember, Paul's the one that started this church in Ephesus, so let's read on. The book of Ephesians was originally a letter written by the apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul, which, by the way, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, imagine that. So out of those 27 books in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of those. How many know he was a knockout, drag-out kind of guy for Jesus? How many know he, 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 he did it for the Lord, amen? And thank God for his commitment because we get to glean and learn and gain victory from his insight from God. Paul wrote the letter literally while in prison in Rome. So the guys in prison, now the prisons back then, there wasn't cable TV and a soft bed. You won't believe the conditions of prison back then. But look at this, not only did he write the book of Ephesians or the letter to the church of Ephesus, he also wrote Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon while waiting trial. So in jail, Paul's still laboring for Jesus. How I many know that's pretty cool? So when you and I are going through times of stress and struggle, guess what? We can learn from the Apostle Paul, and that's a different message. Paul ministered there for over two years. He was the one that really helped pioneer the church of Ephesus. By the way, the church of Ephesus was over 10, they estimate over 10,000 members. How many know that's doing something? And that's one of the many that he was an apostle over helping the pastors build these churches. If you look in Acts 19, eight through 10, he went into the synagogue, this is speaking of the apostle Paul and it leads to uh, his commitment that he had. He spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened, did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew uh, the disciples, reasoning daily. It goes on to say he continued for two years in that type of conditions and where he labored for those two years was the church of Ephesus or the city uh, of Ephesus. Paul developed such a deep relationship with the church of Ephesus uh, 
that his farewell message to them is one of the Bible passages that we see in Acts chapter 20. And if you look with me, he said he uh, sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of that church, the church of Ephesus. When they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and many trials, which happened to me by the planting or the plotting of the Jews. How many know he loved the people, the, 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 the Christians of that particular church. He goes on to say, how I kept back, look at verse 20 in your notes. He goes on to say how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you not only publicly like we're doing right now. Look what he did. Everybody say house to house. The apostle Paul, as busy as he was, as on demand as he was, he taught publicly, which was great crowds every time he taught, but he also made effort to go house to house and spend time with people and teach them, love on them, developing relationships, being the mentor that he truly was. How many know that's just, that's a stud for Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Do you believe that we can learn from that? Because the reason I'm saying all this, and this is the, 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 the beginning of the introduction to this, is because that's why we now can enjoy this great book of Ephesians that we had, because it was birthed out of this type of commitment that the Apostle Paul displayed. Amen? Letter B, let's look at letter B. Now here's the purpose of Ephesians. God's, number one, God's secret intention revealed. Now, we're going to begin to see the mystery of this, especially as we read it through chapter one. He says, to form a body, that's all Christians collectively coming together, to form a body to express Christ's fullness on the earth. God's secret intention for Jesus going to the cross, bearing what he bore, rising from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, simply was that all of us who accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, in other words, all of us who say, Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior because I believe in what you did on the cross and I believe you were raised from the dead. Amen? From that, God builds all of us together like we are here collectively as a body to go out and reveal the fullness of who Jesus is to those who don't know Jesus. How many of that's pretty cool? Are you with me tonight? Look at number two. Again, second purpose, which you'll see uh, as we get to chapter two next week, to do this by uniting one people, both Jew and Gentile. Part of the mystery revealed of the gospel was no longer were the Jews to be God's chosen people. There were another group of folks, which most of us here probably are, and that's a Gentile. That means you weren't born as a Jew through blood, birth, amen. Uh, God says, I have my chosen people, the Jews, but I want to unite the Gentiles and the Jews and make them one. Now, you've got to understand, we can take all night to teach on this part because that was a great, great hard work. Because the Jews of that day were the dominant chosen people of God. And, and in a lot of ways, unfortunately, they despised and looked down upon those of us who are Gentiles because we weren't the chosen ones. 
So there was a great work of the apostles to break those barriers. Matter of fact, if you want to get a good study of trying to break the barriers between a Jew, Christian, and a Gentile who just became a Christian, read the book of Galatians. Read the book of Galatians, and you'll see that working trying to happen, which the apostle Paul was hard at work to bring that unity. Number three, to equip, to empower, to mature his body of believers to the end that they extend Christ's victory over evil. And that's going to be chapter three, and then you'll see that in chapter six of this study. How many know we have victory over evil? We have it. We're not going to get it. We have it. Now, here's the key. Here's my heartbeat as a teacher of the gospel. My heartbeat is we have all this, which we're going to see. You're going to be amazed in this chapter how much you have. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 4 of this chapter, we're going to read it here in a moment. Do you allow me to go on this, this little rabbit trail? Is it okay? He talks about you've been blessed with all these spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We've got so much, but we have no clue how to use it. It's kind of like a ninja warrior or the special ops warrior, black op warrior of today. They've got all this equipment and never been trained how to use it. How many know they're shooting themselves sooner or later? They're going to blow up somebody they shouldn't be blowing up. They're going to, listen, they're going to either utilize that equipment wrong or they're not going to utilize it at all because, listen, they're going to be intimidated by it. Man, once you start discovering who you are in Christ, the position that you're positioned in, that you're seated in, and again, as we go through the study of the book, especially in Ephesians 6, where it talks about all this armor, this equipment that we have, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to start waking up every day going, come on, man, I got victory over evil. Evil, listen, evil should not intimidate you. And the reason it does is because you've yet to be trained who you are and what equipment you have the right to use. That's about as clear as I can get for this whole study. Let's go ahead and let's pray right now. We're done. Do you get that? I'm serious. It's very, very, very important to grasp. Look at the content. The pulse of Ephesians is about God's glory. Now, you may not understand about God's glory, but if you look right here, the word glory occurs eight times in this particular book and gives reference to God's love, his wisdom, and his power. So whenever you come to church, now, again, new Christians, listen to me, because you're learning new lingo. You know, you come to church as a new Christian and you hear stuff like, glory to God. What in the world does that mean? How many are with me? How many new Christians want to help me out? Is that true? You hear us say stuff and you're like, I watched some of you jump during, during church, man. You're like, what does that mean? Glory to God. What does glory mean? Well, glory to God, God's glory simply means that there's an abundance of his love. There's an abundance of his wisdom and there's abundance of his power for you. Woo! So when we say, glory to God, we're simply saying, man, I see it, I understand. There's power, wisdom, and love available for me. We just get excited. We just get excited over revelation and realization of who God is, but the fact of who we are in God, amen? All right, let's move on. God's goal of building a glorious, mature, and ministering church. God's trying to build you into a glorious member of the body of Christ. God's trying to mature you as a member of Christ. 
and God's trying to cause us to be a ministering church collectively. See, when you mature, when you grow up in the things of God, and then we all come together in our growing upness, if you will, we make a powerhouse for the Lord. See, just me maturing alone cannot get it done. We have to all be maturing together, and when we bring that maturing together, we go out and make a powerhouse for Jesus. Personal application. Let's look at this. The epistle divided into two sections. This is very, very important that you look at this right here because as each pastor stands up and does his study of these chapters, this is what they're talking about. Look at right here. Chapters one through three. Chapters one, two, and three are defining our position. What does that mean? When you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, when you asked Jesus into your heart, you all of a sudden became a brand new person, and we're going to get into all this, and I'm not going to rabbit trail on that yet. This whole chapter defines that. But all of a sudden, you were positioned. Now, you've got to understand, when you go into anything legally, your position that you have before you go into that thing legally is very, very, very important. Like example, if you're going in to get your great uncle, uh, uh, some of your great uncle's inheritance, amen, and, and, and there's legalities involved, how many know how you're positioned already, amen, legally will help you in that legal moment? Are you with me? So there's a lot of things that go on in the spiritual realm, and I'm not going to try to confuse us. We're going to get into that slowly as we study this book. But there's a lot of things that go on in the spirit realm where our victory is either won or lost, by the way. But once you learn you're positioned already, you're in the right place spiritually with Jesus to go ahead into victory. See, some of you are trying to get yourselves, listen now, Oh, Lord, help me say this. How many know we ain't finishing the notes tonight? Is that okay? (laughs) Some of you are trying so hard to get yourselves in your mind positioned correctly in God's eyes because you still got some stuff in your life. You still got some weaknesses. You still got some sins. So you're like, I can't really be a Christian yet because once those things are gone, then, I'm sorry, I just spit on you. I'll come over here. Then... Then I'll be positioned okay once I get all this stuff. Let me tell you something. You're going to have sin in your life for the rest of your life. Now, there are things you will gain victory over that you need to gain victory over, but you're never going to be perfect. Long as you carry this hunk of meat around your flesh, your body, you're going to always deal with sin. But spiritually, you are positioned correctly right now for the very best that God has. It's not because you did it. It's because he did it. That goes back to the mystery of Jesus in flesh, Jesus on the cross, Jesus being raised from the dead. That's the whole mystery of this. Because once he went up to heaven and seated, was seated at the right hand of the Father and sat down, all of a sudden he said, it's done. Anybody that accepts accepts me is going to be seated in the same place. (sighs) That's about 22 hours of teaching in 22 seconds. My mouth hurts from, from trying to get that out. Look at uh, number two, the believer's practice. That's going to be chapters four, five, and six. So we're going to learn through chapters one, two, and three, 
your position spiritually, who you, what does it mean to be a Christian? We're going to clarify that. We're going to blow that up, blow it in, blow it up, blow it out. We're going to, you're going to walk out of here and go, hopefully I got it. Now, chapters four, five, and six is, says, okay, this is who you are as a Christian. This is your position. Now go out and do something from that position. Go out and help those who don't know me yet. Go out and help this dark and crumbling, falling apart world. Go out and be that powerhouse that God's called you to be because it's not in your ability, it's not in your power, it's in the glory of God. Woo! But here's what happens. If we're constantly doing all this energy and effort expelled to get ourselves positioned correctly, in our own efforts, we never go out and practice this thing. Because we spend all of our time trying to get right with God, and God says, you're already right with me, now go out from that position and help change the world. But Ken, I got stuff in my life. God says, yeah, that's exactly right, because when you go out into the world, they're gonna look at you and say, you really helping me, it can't be you, it's gotta be Jesus in you. Ha <laughs> ha. Hey, I have that testimony all the time. <laughs> Personal application, awesome blessings of grace. Spiritual authority over evil, that's going to be in chapter three. A major theme of Ephesians is having relationships in order through personal conduct. You've got to get your relationships in order, in the right order, so that you can have the right personal conduct. And it's going to talk about that. Ephesians 3, 4, 5, and 6, especially when you start getting into 4 and 5. Man, those two chapters, man, married couples, you, you all going to be like, whoo, See, because if you, uh, husband and wife, if you find like cats and dogs constantly and there's so much strife in your home, and I'm not condemning if you are, been there, done it, ain't we? Yeah, listen, if you don't get that straight, there's no way you're gonna go out in peace and tell people about Jesus. Your neighbors who don't know Jesus hearing you fight all the time are gonna end up praying for you. Ah, just a thought. Look at letter E, Jesus revealed. I love this part and this is important. How many know these are good notes for you to personally have and study on your own? Amen. Look at this right here. Chapter one, which we're beginning tonight, the Redeemer. You're going to see Jesus as the resurrected Lord. You're going to see him as the king who reigns. In chapter two, as the pastors define their chapters, you're going to see Jesus as the peacemaker, and you're going to see him as the chief cornerstone. Chapter three, the ultimate treasure. Boy, you're going to love that, the ultimate treasure. You remember we talked about a moment ago, the glory of God? You're going to find out where that glory, that treasure really is. It's not all up in heaven. It's inside of you. It's gonna, that's why we say when Jesus come into my heart, that it's not talking about the physical pump that we pump blood. It's talking about your spiritual inner being. Jesus comes to live in you by the Holy Spirit. There is so much treasure inside of you. You're so rich. You're so wealthy. It's going to blow your mind. And I'm not talking money. I'm talking with spiritual blessings, which is trumps. Money, because money comes all the time and it goes all the time. The key is the spiritual wealth that we have. The ultimate treasure, the security. Look at this. 
chapter three, you're gonna learn about the security of God's love. You've gotta be secure in how much he loves you. Because if, you're, if you keep doubting his love for you, you're never gonna receive from his hand the blessings. You'd be so, listen, you, listen to me, everybody look at me. If you keep being so scared of his face, you're never gonna get from his hands. You've got to be secure in the face of God shining upon you, looking at you, smiling at you, sparkling in his eyes, loving you, enthralled with you, overwhelmed with you. Then when it comes time to, listen, oh man, this is so good. I'm enjoying this. I I am. This is blessing me, by the way. But when you're so relaxed with the face of God that when it comes time to receive from his hands, you'll be all right. It'd be easy. Amen. Amen. But some of you, you, you shun from the face of God because you don't understand the whole spiritual thing that's taking place. Chapter four, there's the giver of gifts. There's the destroyer of captivity. The things that are constantly causing you to double guess your position in Christ, those sins, those weaknesses in your life, you're going to understand the destroyer of captivity. He he has set you free. Chapter five, the model husband of the bride, his church. Chapter six, the Lord mighty in battle. But see, we, you can't go to the mighty in battle, the great victory of, of Ephesians 6 as it, it defines, without learning all this other stuff before that. There's no way God's going to say, put on all that armor, march out there and start gaining victory. No, he says, I've got to train you about some stuff, who you are, what you have, spiritually, so that you can use that equipment as we talked about a moment ago. Look at this letter F, the Holy Spirit revealed. We're going we're gonna to see throughout this study, the Holy Spirit, he's going to be revealed because in every single book of the Bible, especially especially the New Testament books, the Holy Spirit is always somehow, some way revealed in those writings because he's it. I thought Jesus was it. No, 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 no. They all won. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all won. And the Holy Spirit right now for you and I in this world, in this life on earth, he's it. Because Jesus said it. He said, when I leave, I'm sending him. And he one bad dude. He won awesome replacement because he's going to empower you. He's going to teach you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. He's going to reveal to you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. He's it. So in every book, every, amen, give God praise for it. I'm telling you, in every book of the New Testament, you're going to see the Holy Spirit revealed because he's it. He, by the way, he's the one that's kept this whole thing, this earth from falling apart like a $2 watch. He's the one keeping this thing together that's crumbling at the seams. You're going to see in this, look at this, in our study of of chapter 1, he's the sealer. What does it mean to be sealed? We're going to learn about that. See, to be sealed, especially spiritually, Oh my, uh, just, just trust me, it's going to be good. He's the revealer. See, when you're not knowing what to do or what the Bible is saying or what it's, it's, it's conveying to you and trying to communicate to you, the Holy Spirit's the one who can reveal. 
He's the strengthener. When I feel weak, well, it's not just always physical weakness. A lot of times it's soulish overwhelmness. He'll strengthen you. He's the unifier. Man, we don't have unity at home. It's because you ain't letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in your home. Man, we're at odds at home all the time. Let Welcome the Holy Spirit to rule and reign. Watch what happens. <laughs> That's just a thought. He can be grieved. Ignore his instructions. He will be grieved. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not some cloud. He's not some, some dove. He's not a mist. He is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He can, you can grieve him. You've got to learn this over time, and we'll teach you this as time goes on here at a church, but you've got to learn when you are grieving the Holy Spirit in you, you'll feel it, you'll sense it, you'll know it. He'll let you know he's bothered by the decision that you're about to make because he's not in agreement with it. How many know it's pretty smart to know if the Holy Spirit's not in agreement with what you're about to do? You better stop drop and check what you're about to do. How many know he's a whole lot smarter than you and I? But see, a lot of times I've, I've watched young Christians, especially in young Christians, I'm talking to you here right now, especially a lot of times I hear young Christians saying, yeah, I'm about to do X, Y, Z, but I, I don't know. Kind of got that thing in my heart, not sure. Well, th that's when I say to young Christians, you really need to slow down and really keep praying about what you're about to do because if you're getting what we call as mature Christians that check in your heart, right? That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hey. It's kind of like he's tapping, hey, wait, whoa, whoa. Wait, don't go do that. There's a better way. Or that's not the way completely, amen? He's the fountain, he's the source of your life. Man, I feel so empty lately, Ken. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit will, like a fountain, flow, fill up in you and flow out of you. Amen? Well, listen, tonight, we actually just finished the introduction to the book of Ephesians. Amen? If you look on your notes, here's where we're gonna pick up next week. I literally wanted to get into verses three through 14, and that's kind of comical, because you know, the attempt was there, but how many know there was no way? Because I wanted to get through verses three through 14, and then 15 through the very end of chapter, the second week, but next week, all of chapter one. How many believe we can do it? Don't, we're not gonna do it, no, I just, no we, we will, we will make every attempt to study it. Did you get anything out of this? Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.